0: KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Well, you guys heard our interim general manager, Michael Novak. We are in our fun drive, and... Yeah, KPFK is the strongest FM signal west of the Mississippi. And with being that strongest signal of the west of the Mississippi, we have bills to pay. Light bills, payroll, supplies, all those kind of things. So we are asking, begging, pleading for you to participate in our August membership fund drive. yes. Continue to support this 112,000 watts of power serving most of Southern California from Santa Barbara to San Diego webcasting at KPFK.org with an eclectic mix of public affairs, talk, news, culture, music, and health and spirituality content, including Spanish language programming. Go to KPFK.org. Pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK and press number 2. And participate in supporting this FM signal, the largest, the strongest west of the Mississippi. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Good evening. I'm Angela Birdsong. Here are today's headlines. California Democrats Democrats urge Gavin Newsom to give State Worker Union a contract and raises. Film Back on the Strip hits the trifecta by being directed, produced, and theatrically released by black people. Interfaith Conference of the Parliament of the World's Religions take, took place in Chicago. International News with Don DeBar and Polina Vasilyev. And the community calendar, all this and more coming up. The Black Men's Brain Health Emerging Scholars Program supports a group of early and mid-career investigators examining brain aging among black men. Black Americans are two times more likely as white Americans to have Alzheimer's and other dementia, but less likely to receive a diagnosis. Black men are less likely to receive guideline, consistent care, and be included in research. Staggering amount of ethno racial inequalities in health care has been documented and researched for decades. There remains a dearth of research and a lack of presence of black scientists examining the impact of brain health disorders and diseases on the black male population. To that end, black men's brain health welcome community leaders, healthcare professionals, and researchers of all ethno-racial categories to join them in this work. They are an inclusive team of advocates who believe they can learn best practices and engagement tools from other communities, knowing that all are connected. Additionally, they have a close relationship to the sports industry, to increase awareness of brain health information with athletes and their families, coaches, and their respective related support personnel. Black Men's Brain Health Emerging Scholars will receive opportunities over the 15-month-long program to expand their research trajectories, connect with leading national scholars, and engage with local community organizations. There will be Zoom info sessions on August 24th, September 6th, and September 11th. For more information and for our full eligibility and benefits details, visit mensbrainhealth.org. Edward Henderson of California Black Media reports four California government employee unions are demanding salary increases from the California Department of Human Resources, HR, and the state legislature to keep up with the high cost of living in California. When compared to their peers in the private sector, the employees say there is a significant disparity in salaries. Representatives of the unions say they are frustrated with the stalled negotiations with the state over disparities in pay. Last week, one of the unions and the American physicians and dentists authorized a strike. The other three unions are the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, Local 1000, California's largest labor union, the California, California Correctional Peace Officers, and the California Association of Professional Scientists. In June, the SEIU employees initially demanded a 30% ra- wage increase in their next three-year contract. The legislature countered with a offer of 2% annual increase over three years. That offer, which union members view as a move to lowball them, sparked a demonstration at the state capitol in June that has been followed by an ongoing stalemate between the parties. According to the bargaining update, the state also rejected the union's request for paid time off to observe Juneteenth. Local 1,000 represents approximately 100,000 workers and jobs as diverse as prison librarians, janitorial staff, and educators at California schools for the deaf and blind in response to the state's two percent initial offer the union lowered its wage request to a to a 26 percent raise later this month the state bumped the offer up to eight percent according to local 1000 update Irene Green local 1000's vice president of bargaining explains quote, We have a large number of members that are unable to maintain a living wage in the state of California. They love the positions that they work in. However, we've been delayed in our salary increase for a number of years. The reason we felt that the 30% and 26% were justified is because of the low income we are finding ourselves getting, end of quote. Green, Green further states, quote, we used To be able to have these jobs as middle-class jobs, purchase a home, be able to provide for our families, and retire with dignity, she added. At this point, those who who we represent are really struggling, end of quote. A study commissioned by Local 1000 and conducted by the UC Berkeley Labor Center released in March found that many Local 1000 members, particularly women, black and Latino employees, were struggling financially. The study also found that nearly 70 percent of the union's members did not earn enough to support themselves and at least one child. While the majority of Local 1000's contracts will remain in effect until a new agreement is reached, members enrolled in CalPERS health insurance plans lost their monthly $260 health care stipend on June 30th. Some consider this as an additional reduction in pay that workers must endure. The power fight the, the KBSK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. COVID-19 cases are rising once again, fueled by the emergence of yet another new variant, EG5. Hospitalization rates jumped by 12.5% nationwide in July, according to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The uptick comes even as the public health emergency has ended, taking with it free testing and free vaccines. COVID fatigue has set in. People no longer wear masks in public. And a study has determined that the majority of Americans will forego new boosters, which will be available this fall. Ethnic Media Services briefing will examine the rise in cases, the new variant, the new boosters, strategies their expert panelists are taking to prevent infections, as well as the phenomenon of Paxlovid rebound. Dr. Peter Chen Hung, Associate Dean for Regional Campuses, University of California, San Francisco, and medical educator, discusses the importance of access to COVID testing as it relates to health outcomes, especially for communities of color. Throughout the
1: pandemic, we've seen a lot of disparities. Including and 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 particularly amongst the African American communities, both in terms of you know you know uh, who is get who is dying first of all, and who is being hospitalized. But then we began to address some of the root causes, which were related to access to testing, um, and and related to probably a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, structural racism that was highlighted in terms of uh, underlying uh, issues in, in in many vulnerable communities. I think it was interesting that, uh, you know, and, and of course, politics played a role. But even uh, after the new administration, those disparities still persisted. I think one silver lining was uh, that vaccinations in, increased uptake um, in all communities probably given the advocacy of a lot of uh, uh, grassroots organizations and and community-based organizations. <clears throat> so where does that leave us now? I think there's been probably less attention paid to how COVID is affecting different communities, but I do worry particularly that testing is linked to access to early therapy. And because testing has a premium and price associated, that will leave a lot of people behind because who's going to go and pay for a test in Walgreens uh, if you have some sniffles, and it might be allergies, and then it
0: might be too late. Dr. Chen Hong says testing for COVID remains crucial, especially when experiencing signs of respiratory infection.
1: Uh, In the big picture, uh, not as many people are getting uh, ill as in the old days. We have a lot more tools. We're getting better tools, Um, and uh, uh, not pe- as many people are seriously ill and people are having shorter stays and not everybody has COVID symptoms once they're hospitalized. But we are still seeing uh, some sick people and, you know, we're still seeing about 300 or 400 deaths per week in the United States, not 2000 a day like we used to. But the tragedy is that most of these deaths are are avoidable uh, because of the tools that we have. It's just recognition uh, that that sniffle or that those uh, that nasal congestion you have with that tickle in the throat is COVID, because time is money, and the earlier you know you have COVID, the earlier you can do something
0: about it. Chin Hong continues about the national bridge program, keeping vaccines free through the end of the year.
1: Vaccines are still free. There's a bridge program. We come into effect nationally that a lot of people without ability. Uh, without uh, demonstrating ability to pay to get them at least till the end of the year in California, written into law until November, uh, and probably extended with a National Bridge Program. People can, of anybody can get vaccines for free. Um, and uh, hopefully that will be extended. But, and then if you have insurance or medical, you're, people are obligated to give you the vaccine for free without copay because of the affordable care act so the main thing to also arm your the population and the community with is knowledge that these things are free and nobody should be charging you or uh, or uh, threatening you with a copay because they're all supposed to be free um and if you don't Get the right answer from one drugstore, then go to another drugstore until you speak to the right person.
0: Dr. Benjamin Newman, professor of biology and chief virologist, Global Health Research Complex, Texas A&M University, says researchers anticipated COVID's current mutations and adds that updated boosters are needed to protect against new infection. Everything that is circulating
2: in the world right now has about 100 to 110 differences from the original version now back at the beginning of covid we looked at this virus and we looked at the rate it would change and it looked like it should be about 30 mutations per year and so if you do the math we are actually right on schedule and so this is the challenge um this variant is spreading because it has a lot of changes at the receptor binding site that is the target of most of the vaccines and of some of the most useful parts of the immune system and when the target changes you have to change your aim it has been over a year since we probably should have had an updated version of the vaccine it's coming slowly and as you mentioned, uptake has not been great. Uh, total uptake in the U.S. for the bivalent vaccine is only 17%.
0: Dr. William Schaffner, professor of preventive medicine in infectious diseases, Vanderbilt University School of Medicine, says improved COVID treatments depend upon continued research of the virus.
3: Now, could we use more research? Absolutely. And that has to do, just as you said, with even better therapies. Paxlovid, we know that if you administer it, particularly to people at high risk, very shortly after they are infected, we can reduce their risk of developing severe disease. Paxlovid has limitations as any therapy does, There are drug-drug interactions. So if you're taking certain medications, you have to be careful about taking Paxlovid or you may not be able to get it. If you have kidney failure, we have to be careful about the Paxlovid dosing, for example, or Remdesivir. Uh, Again, as Dr. Chen Hong has been saying, we now use it very quickly once the patient is admitted to the hospital. But wouldn't it be better if we had more therapeutic agents aimed at keeping people out of the hospital? Studies still continue on other therapeutic agents, but I cannot tell you when they will become available. I think we'll just have to see. But the research community continues, I think, to make some of the very best contributions to the control of
0: COVID around the world. Dr. Schaffner discusses the challenge of ensuring all communities have access to the new COVID vaccine expected to be available this September.
3: Now, here in the United States, how we can make sure that the new vaccine, which we hope will be available sometime in September, maybe late September, as well as therapeutic agents are available to everyone who needs them, will now continue to be a challenge Mm -hmm. because we are now using the conventional medical care system in this country. And you know, we have disparities in access to medical care in this country. We are particularly concerned about minority communities minority by uh, language, by race, ethnicity, rural location, and all of those things will continue to be a challenge
0: as we manage COVID going into the future. Watch the full briefing at ethnicmediaservices.org. I'm Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions reporting for KPFK News. This is the
4: King Pin Shaheen from Legendary Infinity 4 FC's giving a shout out to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles y'all out.
5: But they'll never take us from Jesus He'll never let them defeat us They know that they'll never beat us God wants away on my evil Turn me into a believer You better believe it Put some more time on my meter I cannot wait till we meet them They cannot kill us Stop us or condemn us They want us living like we ain't the winners They keep on trying to tell us They don't never help us Cause we all a bunch of dirty sinners It go up on my side All this way on my mind Don't you try bring up my past Cause God
4: erased me my- Please help keep independent journalism alive And KPFK Radio Strong Become a Sustainable Circle member of KPFK by pledging at any level. $10, $20, $100 per month, whatever suits you. This is Verdeen White of Earth, Wind & Fire, encouraging you to make your tax-deductible donation today at 818-985-5735 or kpfk.org.
0: I'm Angela Birdsong, and you're listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. And you got to hear a little bit behind the scenes also, right? <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. There are things that's always happening on the mic and off the mic. And sometimes you get to hear it also. Well, like Verdine Green um, with um, Earth, Wind & Fire said, Become a Sustainer member. Yes, giving your consistency and membership with us, go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735 and press the number 2. Now remember, with KPFK Rebel Alliance News, we have a special premium gift for you with a donation of $250. You will receive Voices That Changed the World, the USB flash drive full of Pacifica Archive goodness. Over 1,300 hours of historical speeches and revolutionaries, visionaries, and activists who worked for the betterment of this country and the world that we live in. There are about 11 categories describing this extraordinary premium. and One of them is the 65 years, 65 voices, 65 voices. You know, that's a lot of hours of of hearing some historical speeches from people who shaped Form the world that that we're living in this postmodern time and there's also one that has five over 500 one-hour radio documentaries on there straight from the vault that's the name of that one so there's 11 categories you guys should check this out because look 250 dollars for this premium gift would go on and on and on for generations and If you don't have the $250, okay, well, $25. We need your support. We need your givings right now. We're trying to stay afloat over here. We're trying to keep our bills paid. We're trying to stay in full operations. We are continuing doing what we're passionate about, which is being a voice for the voiceless. That's our mission here at KPFK. So make sure you go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Someone is waiting to take your call as you donate, renew or become a member or join the Sustainer Circle. We'll be back with more news after this break.
6: We've invented cars that drive themselves and 3D printers that build prosthetic arms and
7: legs. We've successfully transplanted hearts and lungs.
0: Now, it's time to end
7: Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is on track to cost the nation nearly $1 trillion by 2050. We can either be known for having the most expensive disease in history or for putting an end to it. Ask Congress to join the fight at alz.org slash time to end ALZ.
0: ABFK Rebel Alliance News Los Angeles P.F.K. Rebel Alliance News. You are listening to more Bounce to the Ounce by Zap, an American funk band that emerged from Dayton, Ohio, in 1977. The original lineup consisted of four Trotman brothers, frontman Roger, Larry, Lester, and Terry, and non-Trotman family members Bobby Glover, Gregory Jackson, Sherman Fleetwood, Jerome D- Derrickson, Eddie Barber, and Shirley Murdoch. The Zap Band debut studio album was released on July 30th, 1980 by Warner Brothers Records. More Bounce to the Ounce is the Zap Band's opening song on that first album and serves as the album's first single. The song was written, arranged, and composed by Roger Trotman, and it peaked at number 86 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1980. And it still pulls folks to the dance floor. Join Nappy Wood in celebrating 10 years showcasing natural hair and lifestyle from intricate braids, locks, ponytails, to precision fades. Experience a day of artistry and technique. Meet the braiders and stylists who style your favorite celebrities like Beyonce or Tracy Ross Ellis. Get tips to maintaining healthy hair and body with classes, demos, and great vendors. Witness the in the chair barber battle and cosmetology students compete for top prizes. The designers corner fashion shows and an electrifying natural hair showing featuring Lock Star, a troop from Atlanta, free haircuts, hair analysis and calling our graduates from any cosmetology or barber college for a special gift bag. This exciting event will be held on Sunday, September 10th at the Ontario Convention Center from 12 to 7 p.m. where hair and beauty enthusiasts and industry professionals alike will gather to be inspired and feel empowered. So mark your calendars and join Nappy Wood, September 10th, where the fusion of talent and innovation awaits. Get more information at NappyWood.com. Inglewood today notes, as the picket lines for actors and writers continue to grow, hindering an industry that booms during this time of year, a rare collaboration of a growing black entertainment company and black distribution company is the inspiration behind the release of Back on the Strip, a star-studded comedy with the reunion of a black male stripper troupe. The film is directed and co-written by Los Angeles native and UCLA Bruin Chris Spencer in his future feature film directorial debut starring Wesley Snipes, Tiffany Haddish, JB Smoove, Spencer, Spence Moore II, and Kevin Hart. The film is backed by 5120 Entertainment, a black owned Los Angeles based production company that specializes in television and live events, founded by Eugene Parker, The company vows to change the production culture, granting more opportunities to people of color, and is currently building exceptional partnerships and content to empower creators and viewers on all platforms. The film is released by GVN Releasing, owned by Geno Taylor, a fast-growing distribution company, providing movies at a high level in the film industry for domestic and international audiences across traditional, digital media, theatrical, television, and emerging platforms. According to GVN Releasing's website, Taylor also serves as the co-president of Luminosity, which released back on the strip in theaters and the remaining media through GVN Releasing. At Luminosity, Taylor, along with Missy Valdez, co-produced the film. There are a lot of things to be found in Hollywood, but a film directed, produced, and released by African-Americans is not a frequent occurrence. May this be a start of a revolutionary trend in industry that does not favor people of color and power positions. Back on the Strip is showing in local theaters near you and at Inglewood's IMAX Theater in Hollywood Park. In studio at KPFK 90.7 FM, the weather is 80 degrees with the weekend forecast shows high 80s to low 90s for Saturday and Sunday. The Apple Weather Weekend Forecast for our sister stations in Southern California: mid 70s in San Diego, mid 80s in Santa Barbara, with Ridgecrest, China Lake in the mid 90s. Saturday and Sunday. Now some international news. This week, five nations meet in South Africa with the eyes of the world upon them. Don DeBar has more.
3: This week leaders from the five-member group of nations known as the BRICS Group, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, discuss expanding that group with ambitions of becoming a geopolitical alternative to the Western-led
2: construct. This was Russia's President Vladimir Putin opening the session of business leaders Tuesday. I would like to mention that regular meetings, business meetings like this, business for like these and the work of the Briggs Business Council that unites leading entrepreneurs and heads of the largest companies of the Briggs Group Plays an important practical role in promoting mutual trade and investment, deepening cooperation, relations and expansion of the direct dialogue between the business circles and communities. And in practice, it helps to expedite the social and economic growth of our estates and achievement of sustainable development goals. For more on that, we go to Moscow to speak
3: with journalist Dmitry Babich. We spoke with him via Skype from Moscow on Tuesday. Dimitri, welcome. Help us get a handle on what's going to happen this week. And particularly, give us an idea of the way this whole thing looks from Moscow. Uh,
8: Well, for me, the biggest shock uh, was not uh, the reaction in Moscow, because in Moscow, of course it is positive, because the West imposed so many absurd sanctions uh, against Russia, uh, on Russia, that, of course, people are happy about any uh, any way that could um, kind of uh, show themselves uh, that we are not isolated, in fact. The world is much bigger than just the United States and the European Union uh, or the stupid Canada. I'm sorry, you know, we are inside a free space here, so I can call that country what it is, under Trudeau. Uh, and uh, the, the world is much bigger. So uh, in Russia, all reactions are very predictable. You know, what was a surprise for me was that uh, they stopped insulting bricks in the United States. I mean, read the New York Times article on the day of the uh, BRICS opening. Not a single insult. I was shocked, you know, they, they didn't even use the words strong man or dictator, their usual stuff uh, and, uh, and they uh, wrote some serious things, you know, the same thing in France, you know, Le Figaro wrote that, you know, somehow uh, uh, 31% of the world's growth, is on bricks, you know, it's it's due to bricks. Only 25% is due to the G7. Right. You know, my world is falling apart. They haven't been writing about that for dozens of years, for decades. And now suddenly they discovered, oh yes, you know, China is growing, you know, India is growing, Brazil is growing, Russia is growing. Okay, Russia is the last one, Uh, they hate to admit it, but Russia is growing, believe me. So uh, that was the biggest surprise. And uh, as for the comments, uh, I think that the best comment came from uh, uh, my friend Timofey Bordachev. You know, he uh, was uh, uh, for many years on Valdai Club. Uh, Valdai Club for many years was uh, a terrible uh terrible place where uh, the russian liberals met western liberals you know at the expense of the russian state like xenia savchak met and uh, she said that uh, uh, you know she said that putin did not protest against nato's expansion in 2004 so we were surprised when putin uh rebuffed uh, the ukrainians by taking back crimea and then in 2022 i can tell you i saw with my own eyes at least five times how people abroad, Angela Stant, during World Day Club discussions, and how they told her that Russia wasn't happy about NATO's expansion, that Russia wasn't happy about Baltic countries joining NATO. And then she gives an interview to Der Spiegel magazine and she says, Oh no, you know, Putin never raised that issue, they never raised that issue with us. I mean, look at any record, you know, uh, in the Western newspapers, on the uh, website of the Russian Foreign Ministry, there were hundreds of protests from Russia, hundreds of thousands, actually, of of warnings, you know, that don't do that, you know, but she pretends not to remember it all. So uh, anyway, Timofey Vorachov, who was on that Valdei discussion club, uh, which is now much better, and uh, who uh, wrote an article for uh, the profile magazine in Russia, in which he argued, uh, I think he made a very good point. Many people in the West think that BRICS is against globalization; that it's some kind of a leftist anti-globalist thing. No, BRICS is for international cooperation. It actually, BRICS uh, actually BRICS wants to save the international division of labor. That's right. Which That's right. is basically good for Russia, good for China. Good for the West. It was a huge achievement uh, that, that, uh, you know, back in the 19th century, people started, uh, people stopped to starve in England because they started getting wheat from Canada, corn from the United States, uh, beef from New Zealand. This is how famine was was basically eradicated uh, first uh, in the UK and later in many other Western countries. In the same way, it was eradicated uh, in Russia. When Russia joined the international division of labor and uh, Russia was a part of that uh, international division of labor, even under the Soviet Union, it benefited from it in its own way. Uh, so basically, uh, what we see now, of Rights, and I completely agree with him, the West is destroying this international division of labor by imposing sanctions, first on Iran, then on the countries which trade with Iran, then against Russia, you know. Then against countries which trade with Russia. Then against China. Next time they will impose sanctions on Central Asian states which uh, uh, trade with both China and Russia. Then they will not like someone in Hungary and they will impose sanctions on Hungary. The EU already imposed sanctions on its member state, you know, on Poland. Uh, Because in Poland, several communities said that they were against the spread of what they called LGBT ideology. Uh, Okay, argue with them, you know, discuss with them, but instead they just slapped sanctions on the whole country and they of course excluded these areas of Poland uh, from European uh, cooperation. So uh, the the international division of labor, if you want uh, the globalization, is under threat, not from Russia or China. Russia or China never imposed unilateral sanctions. They never uh, uh, initiated uh, the war of sanctions against other countries. The international division of labor is threatened by the West, primarily by the United States and the European Union, and also by stupid Canada. Uh, in this way, BRICS is defending international division of labor. It is defending globalization, and and it needs to do it. You know the reason why uh, not only BRICS members but also uh, 40 other countries sent their representatives to Johannesburg. More than 20 countries want to join BRICS. Yeah. it's not because they want to they want to irritate the united states it's not because they don't like macron who wanted to come to that uh, summit meeting and who was uh, thank god uh, you know uh, sent uh, in the right direction by the organizers uh, th- these countries have much more serious problems than their irritation with the united states or or, or with the european union they want to survive and they see how the West is destroying international division of labor, which is their way to survival. Uh, the West can afford to be stupid uh, because they have resources, they have money, uh, that they can uh, lend money to each other. Poor countries, they depend uh, on globalization as it, did, uh, as it formed itself until now. They need to buy wheat from Russia and from Ukraine, if possible. They need to sell their products uh, to Iran, to Saudi Arabia, to China. Uh, So uh, uh, basically that uh, summit meeting in in Johannesburg is not about irritating the West, as a lot of Western newspapers wrote. It's about survival. How do we trade uh, when the richest countries in the world went crazy? How do we trade? If we stop trading in dollars because uh, trading in dollars is dangerous, the United States can impose sanctions and, uh, and basically take your property away. How do we trade? Do we have uh, one single uh, BRICS currency? Okay, we're not trading for it yet. Then do we, how do we trade in our uh, national currencies? How do we uh, protect ourselves against the next stupidity from Canada or from the United States? You know, whatever they think up, uh, uh, you know. Uh, limiting you know uh, whether they leave money transfers you know when, when countries cannot pay for the wheat that they buy from russia basically when they when they switched off russia from that swift system they put the african countries in danger because uh it's not just about supplying wheat <laughs> no one supplies anything if uh, uh, that personal country cannot get paid for that so when you when you uh, hamper payments, you hamper deliveries of, of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, uh, things that people need to survive. So uh, I think it's a very serious summit meeting. And this is why the Western media, even the Western media, even the idiotic New York Times, change their tone in in reporting about BRICS. they i, I mean I, I i make this experiment read their articles about BRICS from one year ago two years ago you will see lots of smirks uh irony sarcasm now read them now and you will see how suddenly they they saw that the world is actually poor there are many badly clothed people that are many undernourished people there and oh, oh, oh they don't like us you know they think that they're undernourished because of us yes because of our stupid sanctions so uh, okay uh, if the new york times uh, finally matured enough to make that discovery uh, good for them you know let them let them make that discovery
3: Dmitri, <laughs> right, dimitri thank you very much i appreciate your time
8: Thank you. I hope it was uh, uh, maybe sometimes uh, too rough, but interesting.
3: (laughs) We appreciate it. It was very interesting.
0: Thank you. For KPFK, I'm Don DeBar. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News, and I am Angela Birdsong. Yes, yes, yes. It is time to pay the piper. Show us the money. Call in. Call in 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. And you can go online to kpfk.org and pledge securely online without having to talk to anyone. You can just do it that way. You You got options. You got options. So this is August, and we are trying to meet a financial goal. We are trying to pay bills. We are trying to keep our internal operational staff motivated and ready to work every day. And look, you guys, we're we're in um, labor strike summer, right? This is hot labor summer where everybody's striking. Well, we can't strike over here, but... You guys seem like you're striking on us. Don't strike on us. Call and give us some money. Don't strike on us. Don't strike on us. Tell us what you need. Tell us what you want. And we will bring it to you on air. And that's and that's for real, because this is the people station. This is community radio. And you can come here and volunteer. You can come here and learn what I'm doing. I I came to the station in January 2009 and just progressed greatly. And in my radio production skills. So this is this is your station. This is our station. So support it. And check this out. For a donation of $250. Yes, you get the voices that changed the world. From the Pacifica Radio Archives. This very exclusive part of the building. I went in there today for the first time. I didn't even know what was behind those doors. They had the door open because they had the fan on. Maybe we need to pay the AC bill. I don't know. But... I went in there and I said, oh, my goodness, this is where all the the magic is kept. So you guys can get some of that magic, over 1,300 hours of historical speeches and revolutionaries and activists talking about the betterment of this country and what they've done. Go to KPFK.org. Okay, well, here is today's international news from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere with Polina Vasilyev.
9: For KPFK's Rebel Alliance News, here are your international highlights from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere. Bankruptcies in the European Union have reached their highest levels since 2015, fueling concerns that the 27-nation bloc could be facing a new financial crisis. Jerome Hughes reports from Brussels.
7: On almost every commercial street in the Belgian capital, there is evidence of failed businesses. The country's statistics office recorded 1,092 bankruptcies in June alone. Bridi Said has been in business for 30 years. He says things have never been so tough. It's difficult uh, to find a rent. Uh, rent is expensive. And A lot of things together, and the war, sure, and the war. uh. Across the 27 countries that make up the EU, bankruptcies increased by 8% in April, May and June compared to the previous three months. That's according to Eurostat, the Bloc Statistical Office, which says the increases are at their highest since it began collating such data in 2015. We've raised the issue with the European Commission. What are the EU authorities doing to try and support these firms under pressure? The answer was, we'll get back to you with a response. Many analysts say high inflation and rising interest rates are happening in the EU because sanctions against Russia over the war in Ukraine have backfired. The Bloc is sending deadly weapons worth billions of euro to Ukraine amid growing calls for peace talks. This is a subject we also asked the Bloc's executive arm about. Is there a realisation within the EU that you know, this current war as it stands, it's, it's unwinnable?
6: Hopefully they will win. Hopefully they will win soon. We are supporting Ukraine. We will support
8: Ukraine for as long as it gets. Of course we want to see peace, but the peace needs to be on Ukrainian terms.
7: The EU released a further 1.5 billion euro to the Ukrainian government on Tuesday. Back home, the social crisis is deepening and millions are struggling to pay their mortgages due to interest rate hikes. The knock-on effect of bankruptcies could be disastrous, experts warn. If unemployment rises sharply, which many business insiders say now seems inevitable, extra pressure will be placed on already strained social welfare systems. An unprecedented economic crisis could be in store for the EU.
9: Japan has announced it will begin releasing nuclear contaminated water from the Fukushima power plant to sea as early as Thursday, sparking backlash across Asia and around the world. In Seoul, South Korea, environmental groups and supporters have protested the decision. Details with Frank Smith in the South Korean capital.
10: Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida toured the water treatment facility of the Fukushima power plant on Sunday. Tuesday, the Tokyo Electric Company announced the plant's contaminated wastewater would be released beginning as early as Thursday. We will continue to steadily advance the decommissioning process of the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant and proceed with the measures dealing with the treated wastewater while placing the highest priority on safety. In Seoul, South Korean activists scuffled with riot police trying to contain their protest. Protesters argue that the measures to dispose of the water should be investigated and warn of the risks of the impending ocean release.
6: When the nuclear-contaminated water is discharged into the ocean, it will spread around the entire world. Even if there is no problem for now, in the long term, it could cause radiation exposure and destroy the ocean ecosystem.
10: Since the nuclear accident in 2011, water used to cool the nuclear reactor's molten core has been stored with available tank space nearing full capacity. The South Korean government's response to Japan's plan to release the nuclear contaminated water from the Fukushima power plant has been muted. President Yoon Suk-yeol has prioritized strengthening the country's alliance with the United States and Japan at the expense of the environment. While the environmental damage of the release of the wastewater may be severe, fishers in Japan and the region are also concerned about reputational damage. Opposition South Korean lawmakers have objected that the president's priorities are confused.
1: Of course, the Japanese government can lie for their sake and for TEPCO. But why is Yoon Suk-yul's administration representing the Japanese government and TEPCO, rather than our people?
10: Japan's release of the nuclear wastewater is scheduled to take decades to complete.
9: Seventy years ago, the United States, with the help of the British spy service, staged a coup against the democratic government of Iranian Prime Minister Mohammed Mossadegh. A bitter but vivid memory in the history of Iran. Farzaneh Ashurion has more. The
6: street I'm on today in Tehran is named after Dr. Mohammad Mossadegh, a familiar name among Iranian people, which is closely related to words such as oil, England, the U.S., and most importantly, coup. With the efforts of the then-Prime Minister Mohammad Mossadegh, Iran's oil industry was nationalized in 1952. This meant putting an end to British control over the country's oil industry. The UK and the US made joint attempts to regain control over Iranian oil, but to no avail. Eventually, the British government severed its diplomatic relations with Iran. This hostility led to a plotted coup against Mossadegh in 1953. The U.S. and the U.K. feared that they would lose control over Iran's resources, especially oil, because Mossadegh had nationalized oil and had taken the power and the control of the oil industry in Iran away from the British and given it back to the Iranians. The coup was orchestrated by the U.S. against the democratically elected government of Mossadegh under the excuse of the fear of Iran falling into the hands of communism and the Soviet Union during the Cold War era.
4: The U.S. was terrified at that time of communism, and so they thought Iran was going to join the communist bloc, or their their propaganda was that Iran was going to join the communist bloc, even though they knew Iran wouldn't, because Iran was trying to play a neutral game, a very, very non-aligned game.
6: The overthrow of Mossadegh was planned by the CIA, a plan which consisted of gaining the trust of Mossadegh's government, a trust which was broken by Washington later on. The
9: U.S. initially supported the nationalization of the Iranian oil industry to win the trust of the Iranian government. However, after participating in the coup, the U.S. sought its own domination over the country's oil resources. Trusting America was a mistake made by the Iranian government.
6: But the coup was just the beginning of America's open hostility with Iran.
9: The beginning of the hostility between Iran and America was certainly from the side of the American government itself.
6: The memory of the 1953 coup among Iranians is a bitter one, a reminder of imperialist intervention that may have sparked the Islamic revolution some twenty years after.
9: The Parliament of the World's Religions is the world's largest interfaith conference, uniting hundreds of the world's major and minor spiritualities in one place. The gathering is a reminder of how religious feeling unites all of humanity and propels the globe towards higher ideals. Raman Mazaheri has more from Chicago.
4: Religious leaders from more than 200 different spiritualities and 80 different countries gathered in Chicago for the Parliament of the World's Religions, the largest interfaith conference in the world. Since 1893, the organization has brought together people of faith who are committed to justice, peace, and spiritual growth. A key conference was Faith Over Fear, countering anti-Muslim discrimination, which aimed to connect, equip, and energize all people of faith for anti-racist mobilizations or in anticipation of a looming Islamophobic incident.
7: In the United States, which is where our focus is, um, it is, uh, in, in some cases, It comes in waves, but as we're now facing another um, presidential campaign cycle, we're keeping our eyes and ears open because we expect that anti-Muslim hatred um, will become part of the conversation in the public square, perhaps even in in some of the political uh, campaigns themselves.
4: In Sweden and Denmark recently, the Holy Koran was burned and defaced in appalling and unnecessary provocations, and with their governments refusing to intervene, sparking protests worldwide. Activists noted that if someone hates Muslims, they likely hate many others as well
9: not only do studies show that people that hold anti-Muslim views also hold anti-Semitic views, um, are um, also views about immigrants and refugees, um, black and brown communities. And so we believe that in addressing anti-Muslim discrimination and violence, we're making an inroads to help people address other forms of discrimination and racism, especially within the United States, where our history of religious intolerance and racism intersect for Muslims.
4: Attendees said that seeing the range of the world's religious practices in one place from Abyssinians to Zoroastrianism, produces awe, respect, and the recognition of mankind's indivisible unity amid a splendid diversity. The parliament is a reminder that faith isn't a barrier, but the inspiration for cooperation, and that humanity's collective global problems will be solved by people of faith continuing to work together.
9: And that's all in today's international highlights from non-NATO media. For KPFK, I'm Paulina Vasilyev.
0: KPFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. What it is, KPFK? I'm Angela Birdsong, and here is your Rebel Alliance Community Calendar. The Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, D.C. Chapter honors the revolutionary legacy of the political prisoners, prisoners of wars, and political exiles of the liberate Black Liberation Movement, commemorating the month of Black August. Join them online or in person on August 30th. For more information, go to blackallianceforpeace.com. Come Up Markets and Prosperity Market are hosting Black Business Month Pop-Up Farmers Market for food, music, and family community funds Sunday, August 26th, Twenty seventh Sunday, August twenty seventh, eleven a.m. three p- to three p.m. at Hollywood Park SoFi Stadium, twelve thirteen South District Drive in Inglewood near Ninety Seventh Street and Prairie Avenue. Find more information about this free event at prosperity prosperitymarketla.com and at TheComeUpLA.com. The fourth annual Lemert Park Jazz Festival. Featuring Pancho Sanchez and more takes place on Saturday, August 26th at Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza on the rooftop parking deck. Doors open at 11:30 a.m. Concert is from 12:30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday, August 26. This is a free event. Go to Lamert Park Jazz Festival for more info. Join Black Women for Wellness for several community events this month and some in September with their self-love happy hour, their hike and groove at Baldwin Hill Scenic Overlook, and their farmer market meetup at North Hollywood Farmers Market. For more information about Black Women for Wellness or for details about these events, visit BWWLA.org. Join Alzheimer's Association California Southland Chapter for part two of Your Mind Matters for a dynamic interactive panel discussion. Saturday, September 9th at the LA Alpha House, 3712 West 54th Street in Los Angeles. Get more information at blackwomenphysicians.org. Well, I'm Angela Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions, and you've been listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Thank you for keeping KPFK strong and independent source of music, arts, news, and information. Thank you for your donations today, this hour, and continue to donate for this 24-hour-a-day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, non-stop news the second Pacifica listener-sponsored non-commercial educational radio station. Well, our brand is our mission. We are a progressive media outlet, challenging corporate media perspectives and providing a voice to the voiceless. Go to kpfk.org. Pledge securely online. Call 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and all Rebel Alliance news contributors. Hope you join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Until then, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. And coming up next is Feminist Magazine.
3: This is KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles.